Hey, this is Brad Gouldemon from Toronto, Canada, and you're listening to Frequency. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Brookhouse. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Frequency Podcast. Uh, I'm not joined by uh, Dan this time. Mostly, uh, I just wanted to give him the episode off. He's been a, a busy guy. And uh, plus, honestly, it's sometimes difficult to coordinate schedules between us. And this particular interview that we're sharing with you today, we're excited enough about it that we really didn't want to wait. Well, frankly, I didn't want to wait. Uh, Dan conducted the interview, but uh, I listened to it and thought, I really want to get this interview out. So uh, I just asked Dan's permission. Can I go ahead and record the episode without you so we can get this out uh, on on Friday? Today is uh, uh, Friday, September 18th. So we wanted to get it out. Uh, plus, our guest had a, his album came out uh, just last Friday. So we didn't want to wait too long for it. But before we uh, get into the interview, I figured let's check and see if there's anything new or exciting that we should share and uh, a couple of things came to my mind as I was thinking about the past week or two and uh, what's been going on. Uh, the first thing is, and it's probably something you haven't noticed, but I wanted to bring your attention to. Well, Dan and I are slowly migrating our episodes over to SoundCloud. We're going to start using SoundCloud as a host. Um, we haven't officially switched over yet, so it's really not going to change the way you interact with us at all. Uh, though, if you are a SoundCloud person and you want to catch up on episodes, we are migrating things over there. So you can head over to SoundCloud uh, slash Frequency FM. And you'll be able to listen to uh, the episodes out there kind of at your leisure, whether you're in the car or just sitting at uh, your seat in front of the computer. You may be thinking or maybe not thinking, why are you guys doing this? Well, one thing we've encountered over the past several years as we've been running Frequency is occasionally our, our host, our uh, podcast host, uh, website host, excuse me, um, whose name uh, will not be mentioned, they'll do an upgrade. And what happens when they do the upgrade is they seem to lose stuff. So um, most recently, they dropped like five episodes that uh, we had up on the site and we had to scramble to figure out where they were. And a lot of times we don't even know that something's gone missing until somebody brings it to our attention. In this case, uh, just a few days ago, um, we were trying to point somebody over to our David Dunn Wise Words episode and um, pop that up and it, there was nothing there. So we had to go back and, and find the audio and, and put it back in. Not, not a big deal, but it's something that makes us a little uncomfortable because we'd like to know that if you want to listen to something, it's, it's right there. So anyway, we're starting that migration. And uh, again, it, it really shouldn't impact you other than there'll be some more stability from our perspective. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one piece of news. The other one uh, impacts me a bit more, which is I am switching computers. And to be more specific, I am actually going to the dark side and I now am working with a MacBook Pro. And I've been a Windows guy almost my entire life, other than a short stint working at a newspaper where I used one of the first Macs uh, back in, gosh, 87, I think is when it was. So it's been a while since uh, I was working with an Apple anything. Uh, but the fact is, is I have been, if you guys have been tracking with this, you're probably aware, I've been plagued with ongoing issues with consistency, stability, uh, when it comes to audio. 
And uh, it really just came to a head last week. We were sitting down with our good buddy, uh, Ross King. We were talking to him about his new album. And I swear that at least four times while trying to conduct that interview, my audio just completely cut out on my computer. And it's very frustrating. Thankfully, Ross is a friend. He wasn't too um, too concerned about it. But gosh, you know, um, we're just blessed that it happened when we were talking to a buddy versus, you know, somebody that we hadn't spoken to before. Uh, I was uh, actually very grateful that Dan just happened to be uh, tuning in with me on that uh, and joining in as a co-interviewer that morning, which is something we've never actually done. It was the first time we did it. So the fourth time my audio went out, I said, Dan, I didn't say it. I had to type it. Uh, I got to tag out. This is too much. Uh, so the, the end result with that was Dan got, came back and uh, I, I said, I need to figure out some way to be more stable. And as a joke, I said, maybe I just need to buy a Mac because he knows that I'm a little averse to that. And he said, yeah, maybe you need to buy a Mac. So uh, thankfully, we've uh, we've managed to, to generate some income for frequency and we actually had some money set aside for something like this. And uh, so lo and behold, I'm uh, I'm a Mac user now. Please don't judge me, good or bad. Uh, it It is what it is. And ultimately, what we want is something that allows us to be more stable and more consistent in what we deliver to you. So anyway, enough of a uh, Enough of my chatter on that. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the interview. Um, we're going to continue our recent theme of chatting with Canadian artists and with Dan as the interviewer. And I will tell you, this makes me happy because, uh, first of all, um, Dan's doing a bunch of the work and I get to listen and really enjoy. I don't have to listen to my own voice and go, oh, gracious, why did I say that? Why didn't I ask this? Uh, I can uh, listen to Dan and really appreciate his skills as an interviewer. Um, our guest this episode is one-fourth of the Juno and Covenant award-winning band, The City Harmonic. So we've got Elias Dummer. So he's the band's front man, if you're not familiar. He plays piano for them, and uh, he writes uh, many of their songs. The other thing is he's also a native of Hamilton, Ontario, which is one of Dan's old stomping grounds. So as you listen to the interview, you'll you'll hear there's some interesting, um, I wouldn't say coincidences, but it's a, a small world kind of uh, conversations. So... Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get to Dan's interview with Elias Dummer of the City Harmonic. everyone, it's Dan Thompson from the Frequency Podcast, and I'm here with Elias Dummer. Now, did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, Elias, actually. Elias, sorry. Yeah, I, should have, right. I should have asked before I started recording. No worries. Uh, silliness. Um, um, Elias. So, um, now, you're the front man um, for the band The City Harmonic, mm-hmm. and I feel privileged to talk to you because you're from my hometown. I'm a Hamiltonian, uh, Oski Wee Wee, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> the whole bit. Um, a lot of people that listen to us are actually based in the U.S., so they think they're just trying to get past this no moment. no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, for me, it's awesome to see um, a Canadian artist, Canadian artists as a band, uh, functioning full-time in music ministry. But that's not just what you do, mm-hmm. um, but you are a band um, but just for a little bit of background for, for our listeners, um, how did the city harmonic come about? Like, like the name, like, how did you yeah. decide on that? Yeah. Well, Dan, you, I guess you probably know a lot of this firsthand, but, um, <laughs> but Hamilton is a place that, um, uh, has had interesting challenges. You know, once upon a time we had a steel industry that meant you could graduate high school and walk into steel mill and get a job and, right. and, 
that was it. But for guys your age and my age, that was never on the, never in the cards. Mm-hmm. You know, the industry had by that time largely collapsed and we were dealing with severe poverty. I mean, yeah. you know, and being known as the armpit of Canada. Yes. So, um, you know, and until about 12 years ago when some pretty incredible things started to happen where churches in neighborhoods downtown that had otherwise been abandoned mm-hmm. uh, started to work together in United Mission. I know the church that you were a part of was loosely involved in this as well. And, and th- this thing called True City popped up, which okay. all these churches of different denominations um, started to work together across denominational lines to invest in uh, neighborhoods and a city that had otherwise was otherwise kind of the laughing stock yeah. of the country. Um, yeah, and and so what's been amazing about born out of the student arm of that movement, I helped to start an event called Cross Culture, uh, which um, was part of the True City thing in churches of different denominations, youth groups. There were students from West Highland there. There were students from uh, colleges all over the city coming to together across these denominational lines, crossing the lines mm-hmm. to say, we are going to worship together and serve together in mission and that these are one in the same. Mm-hmm. And so um, in the morning, we have a kumbaya and then the students would go out downtown and, and further afield as well um, and serve at one of the 300 social service agencies that are available in Hamilton. So if you were wondering the scale of the problem, there's 300 social service agencies. <laughs> yeah. Hamilton. Um, and, and Hamilton is not humongous. I mean, there may be a no, lot more. I mean, yeah. yeah, maybe just under a million, three quarters of a million maybe. So it's sort of like, it's, that's a lot of social service agencies. Mm -hmm. And so, um, these students would go out and serve all day and then roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, painting, cleaning up parks. We sent every year, we sent a group of 40 students to Beasley park, which is like the red zone in Canada, one Mm -hmm. of the poorest neighborhoods in the country. Um, and they'd be cleaning it up and painting houses and helping people out. And then we'd get together at night and we'd have a big worship time together. And, uh, the city harmonic was born out of that, uh, movement of students were the four of us. We, we weren't students at the time, but we were all part of different churches, different denominations, um, but gathering together under the banner of the church of Jesus. Wow. And, and, and that was, and that was sort of where we started in 2010. In fact, um, at the, the annual conference that true city now holds, um, we were commissioned, uh, by 35 different churches represented on stage when they gathered, uh, laid hands on us as a band, um, who, again, the four of us are from different churches, different denominations. Uh, we were commissioned to go out and uh, serve the church universal um, in leading worship and telling the story of what happens to cities uh, when the church works together in unity and finds a way. Yeah. No, and now, now, Hamilton, just this last year, you probably are familiar with this, but um, – Dan, you would be, but uh, Hamilton was now just listed as the top real estate investment city in the country. Yes, yes, exactly. And actually, so in, in yeah. 10 years, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Hamilton, when I moved there in 99, um, when I got married to my wife, who lived there growing up, mm. um, it was considered the cheapest place in the GTA to get a home. Yeah. So most people That's probably bought, still true. Yeah. <laughs> c- c- yeah. Comparably, I guess. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So buying a house in Hamilton would be, you know, 117,000, mm. you know, and now it's 250 in the same oh, area. At the very bottom. Yeah. yeah. And that's for yeah. like not even renovating it. Yeah. And these are neighborhoods that if not for 
Christians starting businesses, if not for activists and people going to say, no, we need to do something about these neighborhoods mm-hmm. um, that would would be in total decay. I mean, growing up there, and there isn't, in fact, the neighborhood that I grew up, the street that I grew up on at the very end of that street, there is still a row of houses that are houses and stores that are completely boarded up. Yeah. And the signs are in every language known to man. And that's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. But, but those, these are businesses that couldn't make it work in these neighborhoods. And, and, and it, it just goes to show that no matter how much we think we've done, there's still more to do. Oh, yeah. And and the work of the church especially is, is never done in, and true cities in a big way inspired by Jeremiah 29, mm-hmm. you know, where you have the Jewish people living in Babylon going, get us out of here. What are yeah. we doing? Yeah. And God's like, mm, you, any prophet that's telling you that the answer is to leave, the answer is to get on out because better things are in your cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony of me saying this from Nashville, Tennessee is, is not, not missed on me, but um, <laughs> that wasn't why we moved. But, uh, but uh, I mean, really what he says is plant gardens in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Make, make yourself at home. Be salt and light to Babylon and, and pray for the good of Babylon. This, this message does not ring, you know, does not come naturally to us. Uh, here in the West, but it's the reality of the gospel that we are to be in the places we are blessing those places, because that is exactly what Christ did with his own body. Mm -hmm. And that is who we are here today. And, and and so, you know, for, for 10 years, the church spent itself on communities, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in the downtown area. And it it has been a fantastic and exciting thing to be a part of. And tried to do it all on my own steel Oh, how you love me Till I learned to fall down Oh, how, oh, how I love you now I found freedom in the fall Into That's awesome. Yeah, because you, you basically answered three other questions I had. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're an easy interview. That's awesome. Overly verbose, I guess. No, no, which kind of, um, it actually sets the stage for, for what I wanted to talk about as well, um, because obviously you are a band, you're, you're four members, right? Yep. Yeah, so you got yourself and Eric and Aaron and Josh, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you said you were all from different churches. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you end up being the four? Because that's a good question. Yeah, because obviously there was a lot of different people involved. You're doing worship yeah. activities and stuff. You'd have a lot of different players. How did that end up being the band? Uh, a long time of. I mean, yeah. Aaron and I have been playing together more than more than ten years, probably nearly twelve years. Eric and I met in high school. Okay. So a lot of it's relationships um, and being a part of different attempts to do some of the same thing. You know, I mean, we were Eric and I were both involved in a interchurch worship service back like years and years ago. That was sort of attempts to do the same. I traveled a little bit, and that's how Aaron got involved. And Josh was a Redeemer University student who had attended cross culture, um, but was uh, part of, was living with. Uh, Eric, who was a youth pastor at one church and a youth pastor from another church. And the three of them lived in a house on Emerald street, which is like 
a very, very rough, very, very rough neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they, that was their student. That's how they lived when they were, when they were all kind of part of university, they went to different colleges and different churches they worked at. But, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where in Hamilton, that's kind of a big part of just how it is now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so as we've written songs, as we've done different things, trying to work through the fact that we don't take the same things for granted, but we have common ground that that has been the thing that we've, that is, that's our endless experiment, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of the four of it is, yeah, it, it's deeply relational. I mean, I also need to recognize that we're talking about four, you know, near 30 or 30 plus year old white males. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, you know, I don't want to make too much of it. It, it is important that, we've managed to be born out of a movement of church unity. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to recognize that our circumstances brought together what we were. This is not a, uh, a, pro- a willful project, if you will. This mm-hmm. is not a let's set out to represent diversity in the greatest way that we can. This is our, this is our real story. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that there can be, and we've seen that with the video from Manifesto where, you know, our friends and people of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, sure, showed up and we invited them and they were part of it. And some were black, some were white, some were Asian. But at the end of the day, um, if we if it had been a marketing campaign, we'd have worked harder to do something different. Yeah. yeah. It was it was it's just for us, it's it's kind of where the chips fell. It's it's God doing what he did in the church in our town. And I still think we have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly here in Nashville as I'm here helping to plant a church. It's like one of the things we're talking about all the time is racial reconciliation cannot be far from our mind. Mm-hmm. You know, there's and, and that that's stylistic, it's denominational, it's all kinds of things. But but at the end of the day the gospel is all of these things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Now you said you're planting helping to plant a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so as as a role, because you are kind of a lead man of of a band but that's that's kind of um um you know because i understand in the artist world you're not always able to make a living doing that some can um and and to be honest we have yeah you do it's the the thing for the church for me and eric is in the same boat he's he's on staff at, at houston street baptist in downtown hamilton yep um so it's it's i'm helping to plant a methodist church down here in in nashville i mean we at the end of the day, we're church guys. I mean, I, we, we, we were all, I was on staff at Grindstone and Waterdown for five years. And, you know, it, it sort of has been our MO being yeah. involved. You know, the band actually put on hold some of our ministry goals. And, and now we're at a point where we're able to do both in terms of schedule and, 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 and not in terms of we're not, not in the, that we're not busy. I mean, this fall we have September, October, we're just out the whole yeah. time. Yeah. With the new but release. It's, but it's yeah. like, but but with our churches, we're in a position where we've learned enough, and, and I think it's it's meaningful and fruitful for us to be involved in a leadership role, recognizing and, and relationally making room for us to also serve the church universal in a sense. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And that's the balance that is not always easy to find, and we don't always succeed at finding it, but, right. but it's important for us to work together in trying, and I think that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was going to ask you, from a Canadian perspective as an artist, do you see mm-hmm. a, do you see a huge difference in the Canadian artist landscape, especially in the Christian music realm, compared to the U.S. artist landscape? Is it a lot more difficult as Canadian artist to make it? Uh, no. I, here's the thing. I think that um, 
what we have going for us in Canada is that the transition from being a, a nation where Christendom is taken for granted um, versus being a post-Christian culture, that transition is done. Yeah. Like Canada is a post-Christian culture, and I actually think that's a good thing, to right. be honest with you. Um, for the church where you walk into a church in a city and no, you don't, you can't assume that there are thousands and thousands of people there, that everyone in the community is going to church on a Sunday morning. You can't, but what you can assume when you enter that church on a Sunday morning is that for all intents and purposes, the people in the room want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and, and I think that, um, especially being here in Nashville now and seeing how that culture plays out. There, there is a tendency to, um, to be afraid of the fact that we're no longer um, or we're losing power, so to speak, as the church. So as artists, it's interesting because you grow up in Canada and Christian music essentially means music for the church. The mm-hmm. idea of writing um, music that is simply positive uh, is just a little less... Well, there's not really a context for it as much in Canada as there is for in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Christian radio in Canada, which is beautiful and great and, and often works really well to unite the church. And, but even then, the majority of what they play is worship music. Yes. And, and so that's, that's different than it is here in the U.S. where a lot of what is played is like um, lifestyle alternative music, where it's, it's more about, you know, don't be swearing than it is, you know, <laughs> than it is about necessarily like, Hey, let's be conformed to the pattern of Christ who loved his enemies and gave himself up for the world. Yeah. It doesn't sell records. Yes. So yeah. sort of, you know, yeah. in the, in the long run, um, those of us from some of these contexts, there are moments where some, you know, you get a band like, um, Love and the Outcome, for example, or Thousand Foot Crutch, who Thousand Foot Crutch have bridged the idea of being in, in the, the secular rock world and all the power to them. I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Love and the Outcome are doing really, really well, encouraging people as they sort of bohemian hipster around the world. That's great. <laughs> like it's, 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 it, they're good things. But, but by and large, Canadian Christian music is worship leaders figuring out how to do that in a way that is creative and indigenous, you know, yeah. it's, it's rooted in their community. Um, and, and I think that thing is a, is a good thing for the church in America as the church in America finds its way through this transition culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've found, I've found that very fruitful as I've even been involved in church ministry here in thinking, okay, like, you can kind of get a sense of what's going on emotionally because for most of us, that was happening when we were kids. Yeah, exactly. We are style as a band i wouldn't say is is radio top 40 pop um like you have a specific thing you want to say in all of your music um i don't sense that there's any sort of pattern or cohesiveness in in a way of of just simply spinning a record on on a radio station um you know anthemic type things um battle cry um even the way you express yourself on your music videos um you know i think there was one video um 
where I think you're in the hills of Flamborough oh, or mountaintop. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I even, I've actually walked those trails. So that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like those kind of things that are, that draw people in. Um, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not top 40 cut and dry three, three minutes and 15 seconds for a radio spot. Yeah. Um, so I do sense that like you can almost tell when you're listening to you guys that it's never been about buy my song. It's, right. it's I, always I mean, been an underlying message. I would love people to buy our song. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing, it, you know, getting into this to win at Christian music just seems sad to me. Yeah. I, you know, I, that doesn't mean we don't want to do something that means something to people. That doesn't mean we don't want to, we absolutely do. I don't think being commercial is bad. I don't think being uh, far from it. I don't think any of those things are bad. I mean, we do try to write songs, some of which are, and Mountaintop was a surprise to us as a single. We never expected it would be a single and Mm -hmm. some stations wanted to play it. So they did like, that's kind of how it, how it worked. Um, but a song like Manifesto was a four minute song. It was, you know, it, it somewhat pieced together in things that were accessible. And, and I don't, I don't think of, you know, uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, William Butler Yeats, you know, think like the wise and speak the language of the people. Mm-hmm. I don't think doing something that people like is inherently bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to be obscure to feel cool as an artist or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but with that, um, comes the fact that nor did we get into this to win at Christian music mm. at all costs. We got into this because we believe that the church is better together and that we as people are better and, 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 and deeper Christians by recognizing that we are whole before God. Mm. Yeah. So discipleship and unity drive us in a huge way. And I, I think you can't separate either discipleship or unity from mission or you've lost the plot. Yeah. So, you know, for us, it really is about spending ourselves and spending um, the church for the sake of the world. And for us, it's spending what we do for the sake of Christians to be more like Jesus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes understanding how we're wired, how our brains work. And some of that means writing pop music. And some of it means writing battle cries um, because human life looks like both things. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, um, I mean, you never know who you're going to reach, right? Um, yeah. Because some people even they skim across, well, especially in the U S there's a lot more Christian stations. Um, yeah. there's a lot of non-Christian quote unquote listeners. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely, yeah, having some depth in the music and not just being all, you know, if you're a Christian, you got to be happy, bop your head. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, th- I think for us, like it really starts with recognizing that, um, for us, uh, if I wanted to reach, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, if I wanted to reach people who weren't Christians, with music as a, with music as a medium, you know, and it's not, of course I want to reach people like that, but if, if music was my chosen medium to reach people, I wouldn't be in Christian music. Mm, yeah. I would be writing music that allows me to make relationships and then that would be something I'd wear on my sleeve, you know? Yeah. 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 I, as far as band comparisons, at least by, um, the way I perceive them, I would, I would put you in more a 10th Avenue North category or a switchfoot category where, they they do what they think they're called to do and they don't care what people think um you know they're not they're not just you know if they if they take a break they take a break right Um, they do their thing like a song like warn uh 10th avenue or some of their songs are not going to hit radio because they talk about dark things right and there's no resolution at the end it's yes life is a struggle and i need jesus well it's interesting because i think that um 
there's nothing more universal than being human. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I, I, I do think that radio stations are starting to come to terms with that too, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I mean, a song like Warren, Warren was played on the radio. Kayla have played it all over the country mm-hmm. and lots of stations did. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I think there is a sense in which, um, people are increasingly and the church is increasingly realizing the need to mourn and to lament and, and, and live through that. Um, and that's a good thing. At the end of the day, we're all motivated in some way by um, trying to do the right thing. Mm. It's just we have to be careful to judge. Uh, well, first off, to be careful in how we judge others, but then also um, to look at our own motives honestly, you know. Um, and I have to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, am I doing this to win at Christian music? And if so, what kind of prize is that? Yeah. You know, um, or, or am I doing this to, like I said earlier, to sort of spend, spend what I have to give on the body mm-hmm. you know, so that we might all look a little more like Jesus tomorrow by the work of the spirit. That's for me, that, that, that motivates me in a way that, um, that mm-hmm. just trying to win doesn't, I, I'm a very competitive person. I'm very business oriented, to be honest with you. I run a marketing company. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I did that before the band took off. I mean, it's it sort of, I am wired that way. Yeah. And maybe that's why I have to constantly say, no, I'm not doing this for this reason and make intentional decisions to build systems that prevent me from even doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and that's, that's just kind of, I think that's the challenge of being a disciple of Jesus is constantly shaping ourselves after the pattern of Christ and not simply the pattern of what we might see around us. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you've gone through difficult things as a band together. I mean, mm-hmm. we, um, I mean, we don't have to focus on it because you guys have come through a lot of that, um, yeah. dealing with Eric and, and what's happened with him. Um, yeah. And Eric's in remission, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been yeah. sort of cancer-free for, I think, almost three years now. Yeah. Would you say that that experience, um, although difficult, I mean, you're tight, your friends, your family, mm-hmm. um, did that um, help um, motivate you to be even that much more passionate about the mission uh, that you're on? Oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 well, I wish um, has songs on there that are some of my favorite city harmonic songs and some on there that I'm like, what were we thinking? You know? Um, and, and, and I, that tension was really born of having to figure out what the heck we were in the middle of a brother who'd just, just come back Mm -hmm. from remission, you know, from his two years fighting cancer and us partly supporting him by running around playing arenas. Yeah. Like it was, it was, that's a very weird place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's exactly where we were when we made that record is of two minds, you know? Um, coming on the other end of that, I think we said, no, we're, we're going to double down on being Jesus. Yeah. I don't mean, you know, and and I know that sounds like a bold claim, but, um, you know, you look at John and you look at the gospel of John where Jesus says, may they be one as we are one. I mean, for us, the idea that in 2010, um, an entire city's worth of churches said, send these guys out to bless the body of Christ all over the world in bringing us together. Well, music is an extremely powerful way of doing that. We're a bunch of nerdy guys. So we're thoughtful enough. I figure we might say a thing or two from time to time. And, 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 and all of that stuff and the ability to, um, to give people, sometimes music can do what words can't alone. You know, it can, it can allow us to fully embrace a truth that 
we might rationally wrestle through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea that God's given us a platform and the means to bring people together in a way that they feel and think and, and understand fully, um, well, we're just going to do that. That's yeah. exactly what we're going to do. And yeah. this record, this tour, everything is, is all part of that. Yeah, so my next question, the record is is We Are. Yeah, We Are yeah. the City Harmonic is kind of the implication. But yeah, right, so, yeah. yeah. So so that releases September. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a little research and I, I found out that um, – because I'm not a I'm not a stalker. I don't keep up on everything you guys do. Um, you're you're gonna have music featured on Beyond AD, like coming yeah, off the. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah. actually debuted the song "We Are One" on Beyond AD. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because I yeah. was reading up on it. And I was trying to. I actually wanted to to have a look at it, but uh, yeah. I I live in the hills of PEI. I don't even have yeah. cable. So beautiful country. Beautiful country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome anytime. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, how did that come about, or was it something that? Um, uh, you were asked, or was it a little bit of both? A little bit of both. I mean, you've got um, – there's some relationships there, of course, with NBC and different folks at the label and, you know, that kind True. of stuff. And that happens. Um, and so that was part of it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of acts that were involved in that show, I'll be – you know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But it was cool to be one of them. You know, yeah. it was neat to be able to – to my knowledge, we were the only artist who went on and played a song that no one had ever heard before. Okay. Um, you know, and, and not only that, we, we pulled together a choir from that church. Mm. So the church where they taped Beyond AD, uh, we, reco- we said, hey, can we get a choir together from your church to help us sing the song? And they did. That's awesome. uh, so that was really great. You know, I mean, I think – and again, it just embodied the, the thing we're about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was cool. I mean, network television to debut a song about Christian unity. Uh, that was exciting. You know, yeah. was, that, that was neat. The kingdom come, the power of sin, by Christ I'm done for Christ has come. I do think that, um, you know, because I'm a pastor here and I preach and I lead worship uh, here um, and unity is a big thing. But also I find in Canada, um, there's a lot of passive passiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, people are very much uh, consumer driven, um, especially in, in a PEI East Coast culture. It's it's they love you because you're a tourist. But if you live here, it's like you really got to belong. Like, right, who right. are you related to? Who do you know? It's it's the who do you know game. Um, right. So, and that's not indicative of just PEI, but um, in, in smaller um, concentrated cultures, everyone knows the last names of everybody kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. so when you get into, um, you know, music even, for example, like introducing new music is, is a struggle. So right. where I feel we're, we're the, the way we've been doing it is by being um, united with other churches and denominations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I'm friends with the pastor of the Church of Christ here mm-hmm. and, you know, my son's playing drums for them and mm-hmm. he, he does chapel for our Christian school. And yeah. so I am seeing a pattern of, um, well, we all, you know, individually as churches, we may not be able to, to figure it out mm-hmm. but as we start to work together and realize hey you know what like like 
Christ has everything to say, like, like mm-hmm. me, you know, just a guy here. Um, I can't figure it out, but when, right. we, when we work together, um, and even, um, songwriting wise, yeah, um, yeah. you know, getting some worship pastors or people just in the congregations together to say, you know, let's write a song that focuses on our cultural needs here. Yeah. You know, cause we don't, we don't have a lot of, um, immigration in Prince Edward Island, but mm-hmm. we, but we got a lot of deep rooted, um, legalism and Catholicism. Um, yeah. and again, there's Catholic Christians and then there's Catholics, exactly. Roman there's Catholics. Catholics. Yeah. And yeah. There's, cat, there's cultural Baptists just as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I find that we're in this pocket of change mm-hmm. and I, I see music as the catalyst for a lot of the change, because mm. as we introduce new music, like I introduced a rent collective song last week and people, they, they're like deer in the headlights, yeah. but, but it's starting to click now. It's like, Oh, yeah. I can be excited for Jesus. Yeah. You know, as long as the words are about him and not just about us feeling good. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because like, in a sense, it's very Christian to recognize that it's okay to feel good. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know it's, what I mean. Like, and that's part. I was I was just talking about this actually with someone else. It, it's it's one of the biggest challenges we face as worship leaders and pastors is this culture that wants um, our worship expression to somehow be. This might seem strong, but I would say dehumanizing. Mm. We want to reduce the faith to either an emotional expression or a rational expression. Yeah. And, and if it's not, or, or, or it's, it's merely an intellectual exercise, it's merely an emotional thing. And we try to reduce it. As, well, that's dualism. That's Gnosticism. We actually wrote, the church wrote the creeds to fight that. Yes. Yeah. You know, the Christian gospel is that you in your body, that that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. That God gave you that physical reality. That God made physical reality and said that it's good. And also made the immaterial and says that it's good. He is immaterial. So there's a sense in which like this whole self, the, the, the message of, you know, the part of why I think church unity is so essential because it recognizes that our limited perspective is never all that there is to know. If the circle um, about God, if the circle of what God has made true, if my theology is the line around which I draw this, you know, the line in the sand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday, Eli wasn't a Christian. Only today is. But tomorrow, Eli won't be because I'm going to change my ideas about theology over the next couple of years in some small way. And, oh, that small thing trumps this other thing. Yeah. Of course, no one wants to admit that that's how we live. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, Christ unites us. Mm-hmm. You know, the early church recognized resurrection because resurrection, we're the, Jesus is the firstborn of the resurrection. We aren't simply going to heaven when we die. We are resurrected and saved as persons, mm-hmm. not, not just spirits, persons. Yep. And so there's this sense in which like what we do in worship, what we do, all of these patterns that we have, we have to conscious, consciously and constantly challenge ourselves to consider it, are the ways that we're leading worship, are the services that we're doing. I mean, admittedly, like, you know, I'm an Anglican Methodist type guy. I mean, I realize liturgy is important to me. It may not be right for every context, but the idea that, you know, communion, are we doing communion in a way that is embodying and yeah. meaningful and reminding us that, you know, I belong to a group and I'm actually eating something. This thing yeah. goes in my mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, there's something very physical about that, that challenges, it almost bucks the trend of like the post-enlightenment, rational, you know, lonely intellectual faith. Now, uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm an intellectually, you know, I'm a nerd. 
Now, I realize <laughs> that, you know, and, but I have to be aware that my ability to systematize the faith is not the faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that, that my brother who has, uh, who, who is autistic, that he, maybe he won't ever understand a systematic theology with his particular brand of autism. Mm-hmm. Can he be a Christian? Yeah. You yeah. Know, if the answer is no, then I've made a big mistake. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 and that unity thing is as much about unity of self as it is about unity with brothers and sisters. It's understanding that before God, I'm a whole person mm-hmm. and this disjointed categorization that I do in, in indigenous church cultures and in myself, um, that it, it's not doing anyone any favors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, um, more of a techie question, um, yeah, sure. as we transition out and I want to ask you about the new album. Um, mm-hmm. as a band, do you prefer being out there live Mm-hmm. or the process of creating an album, like recording, being alone together, putting it together? What would your yes. preference be? Yeah, um, I don't know. That's tough. I would say both, but mm-hmm. I would rather spend most of my t- time out there live. Okay, yeah. Um, because uh, you can't do one with the the other you know there's no reason for us to do it as a band specifically um yeah. and beyond that you know it, it, i think it's just they're, they're codependent mm-hmm. we would have nothing to write songs about if we weren't with the church yeah and yeah. and if we weren't um for writing songs the church wouldn't care you know i it, it's just kind of yeah. And honestly, it's very stressful to make a record. For this record, we are the City Harmonic. We wrote 136 work tapes mm. yeah. and boiled that down to 11 songs. I mean, that that's a long, grueling process. It was 14 months of writing yeah. and crafting and fighting and arguing and doing it all over again. <laughs> you know, that was totally worth it and fruitful, um, but long and arduous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. Yeah, um, yeah, people who are not in the music realm or not songwriters or not instrumentalists uh, oftentimes just don't have a concept of the work. They see the product. They see the mm-hmm. end result. They see, hey, they're going to come out with a new album. Like, hurry up already. Yeah. Um, they don't see that. I just watched a documentary on YouTube about their transition as a band halfway through with Octum Baby, for example, mm-hmm. um, and almost wrecked them. Yeah, you know they planted themselves in Berlin for three months and tried to write mm-hmm. an album, and they basically hated each other for half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the process got them the album and the song one. Yeah, which again came it, that was the uniting moment for them as a band. Yeah, um, the song one, and that was the catalyst to bring them back to where they really need to be in the first place. Yeah. Um, so even in in the realm of, of secular music and YouTube, whatever you want to classify them at. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people, even Christian artists, emulate them, number one. Absolutely, yeah. We um, would be one of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you two have been extremely influential. Yeah. I mean, my nickname was Danny DeLay when right. I was growing up because yeah. I, I played the edge everywhere. Yeah. So, and believe me, like like Tomlin songs, like you name it, Brenton Brown, they all they all have hints of it. Um, yeah. So they definitely um, were an influence. Um, and I think a good one in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and musically, because they broke boundaries. But I, I did sense the same theme of 
okay, now we have the platform, which I think you guys are getting to a place where you're known, you're recognized. Okay, let's stick to what we stand for mm-hmm. and let's focus on the church unity, which mm-hmm. I think is coming to a head in churches. We're like, we, oh, absolutely. we really need to, to know what we stand for. Is it about us in the name of our church? Or is it about the the church who yeah. is Christ's church? Absolutely. And alongside, yeah. and that's part of why alongside this record, we actually recorded a documentary mm. about, um, with the same director that's directed Manifesto and, Mount, and Mountaintop and yep. a bunch of our videos, because it was sort of, okay, can we tell the story of what it looks like for churches to work together mm. rather than... I, th- I think there's this sense of like everyone, oh, that, wouldn't that be nice? It's like a pipe dream idea. And yet, I mean, we've seen it in Hamilton. It's not just a pipe dream. It actually works. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and if pragmatism is going to be taken for granted in America and Canada, then, well, okay, let's, let's meet them on pragmatic terms. It works better than not doing it. You know, yeah, yeah, and, and and in terms of influence in the city for the kingdom, and not simply growing a big church full of people who aren't sure why they're there. Yep, and 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 I think it's um, so we're really doing everything in our power to tell that story, and and that it that that is born of doubling down on why we did it, and the record heart is exactly the same thing. Kind of you two were talking about is making this record where. We honestly, we made a record, some of which we knew why we did, some of it we didn't. And mm. I think that's true of a lot of artists. People don't hear that. And in case people like certain songs, I won't specify which is which. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reality is like we, you know, we struggled to make that album. Mm. And, and yeah. this record, we struggled to make it in a different way. We mm. struggled knowing why we were making it. Right. And knowing exactly what we were out to, what we were out to do. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, doubling down on purpose. I mean, this fall we're going out across the U S with, we are events, um, a tour would be misleading. Uh, we're, you know, we are Statesville, we are Jackson, we are Nashville or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea is to gather churches from different denominations, um, for a night of worship and prayer. So on stage, we're going to have worship leaders from different denominations and churches together as a choir with wow. us. All the choir stuff you hear on the new record, it's all going to be people from different churches. And it was on that record. Um, And then there's a lot of choir. I mean, it's borderline gospel rock. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a different animal, you know, and then we're going to have local pastors from different denominations lead a concert of prayer as part of the evening. Mm. And, and, And when we went across Canada last year, we did it, we did communion together every night. And, you know, I, I just think like we're doing everything we know how to do to, to live that mission out to bring churches together to that, to that point where it's like, okay, maybe we have stuff to work through. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've got to figure out how crazy uncle Fred fits into the equation, yeah. you know, but we have to recognize that it is Christ that unites us, not my version or my idea of Christ. Right. Exactly. You know? Cause I'm still working that through. I mean, there's a theologian I love who talks about how the fact like, I'm, I'm sure that I'm right about 80. I'm sure that I'm wrong about 20% of what I believe. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea which 20% it is. <laughs> yes. And so yeah. it's like, if, if we start with that sense of like a, a, a humble orthodoxy, mm. you know, if that's the thing that we start with, yes, these things have been true throughout the church universal for all of the history of the church. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately for a lot of people, we have to recognize that that includes Catholics, that includes Greek Orthodox, that includes Coptics, that includes all kinds of Christians who ultimately do believe Orthodox things about 
the role of the church in the world, the world, you know, and there's a lot of praxis. There's a lot of how we do it that needs to be worked out, but yeah. we need to recognize that we work that out as a family works out how to be a family, mm-hmm. not us and them. Yeah. The, the, the us is the church. Yeah. No, that's, and that's awesome. how it's going to be in revelation 21, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't asking our opinion on who we, who we would like to include as brother. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, and again, that bleeds into the whole, um, you know, the breaking the the binds of legalism that that we mm-hmm. see in some areas in the East Coast, um, where it's easier to just do what's always been done because that's what's been shown to you. Yeah, um, where some, you know, people. I'm always fascinated, especially when I'm when I'm preaching, the amount of people that don't actually have a Bible. Yeah. Or yeah. or there's a veiled attempt at an app. Um, yeah. I do find there's a lot, there's just a lot of passivity with, with scripture with, cause in our, in our church context and some other churches here, we focus on the word so that we'll actually read an entire chapter every week in our church service. Just the response that I get from people where they're kind of glassy eyed or, or they're there, but they're not there. Um, that's been a passion of mine to just try to try to figure mm. out, you know, where is that coming from? Is it, um, like church should not be boring. You know, like, like there, where's the exuberance and the passion for Christ? And again, I can't manufacture that as a worship leader, as a pastor. Uh, No, no. And and it's funny too, because it's, you know, there's this pressure that within evangelicalism in particular, that sort of, because we've, again, take it with a grain of salt. I'm coming from a more traditional approach, I guess, in some ways, <laughs> although I write very modern music. So explain that one. But, um, you know, I, there's, uh, Oh, uh, Pelican, this Greek Orthodox, uh, thinker in the U S once said, um, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism <laughs> yes. is the dead faith yeah. of the living. And I love that because the reality is that our rejection of tradition as being, uh, the good, the best thinking of the giant yeah. shoulders we stand on, that that is a healthy thing. Where it becomes unhealthy is where we begin to confuse that with mm-hmm. our ability to weigh it by the spirit and scripture and all these other things. And so there's this sense of like really needing to understand that when we've thrown that out, that the, the need or the impulse um, to constantly mm-hmm. reinvent yeah. the wheel is exhausting as well. So the, the need to, and actually alters our definition of authenticity in such a way that we get into an unhealthy place. And so it's, we can exhaust people with the need for reinvention just as much as we can exhaust mm, people yeah, yeah, with, exactly. with hollow tradition. Because at the end of the day, it is the work of the Spirit working through worship that binds the future and the past together in the present work of the church that is a beautiful life-giving thing and i think we've just i think and you and i were both around as the modern worship movement and contemporary worship movement really found its foothold Mm -hmm, in the church and churches split over it they fought over it they i i think i now understand why that was you know there's a sense in which we just sort of took it as Mm -hmm. a given that these things didn't have consequences and they do you know, and, and there's, I'm not saying that that shouldn't have happened. I think worship should be indigenous. It should be of the people. But we've, we've so lost the scope of what worship, corporate worship, and I don't mean music, what corporate worship as a whole mm-hmm. can accomplish in us. You know, that we're kind of, 
and mm-hmm. we've we've yeah. we've ingrained that in our congregations for yeah. twenty years. Um, now I don't want to keep you much longer, but uh, I want to talk about the new album. So it's release it's releasing in September, um, and yeah. you've had the opportunity to have it out there already. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you you're able to be a part of the show, and it was based on another show, right? There was a digital version of the show, like from NBC. Beyond AD was the show. So AD the series is the show. Um, that of course walks yes, through yeah. the book of Acts and some of the early church history, um, mm-hmm. following the Bible, sort of the New Testament miniseries. Um, and, and, and so this is a show right. that was sort okay. of designed to talk about the show. So they had Christian people on leaders, teachers, musicians to, uh, sort of celebrate and talk about the story and sort of what it means. Um, and that was both online and on uh, network TV in the U.S. Yeah, and you just released a video. Um, was it uh, music music video? We are one. Yeah, we have a music video for We Are One, and we've also released this sort of liturgy that we wrote, um, which is sort of this speech um, celebrating what we are as the church. That sort of there's a song called Maranatha that sort of goes under it, um, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite songs on the record, if I'm honest. But it's uh, it's it's just this this sense of like really trying to inspire people to see themselves as belonging to something bigger than themselves. Awesome, awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. We look forward to the album in September. Awesome. Well, thank so, you, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how can we get in touch with the City Harmonic? What are your um, social media info? Yeah, I mean, you could find us on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff, of course. Um, we have our own website, thecityharmonic.com. But what I'd really recommend people do, and we've launched this site called wearethecityharmonic.com, um, which at first, right now, there's like this neat mosaic thing where you can upload your own photo um, and be a part of this mosaic of photos from all over the world uh, that will eventually form the – we're going to replace the artwork on iTunes for the single mm. with this mosaic. Um, and, 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 uh, over time, we're going to be building this site to be a a place where we celebrate church unity all over the world. So we've heard of similar movements to true city in Buffalo and Phoenix and other places. And we're going Mm -hmm. to be trying to build, trying our best to build a platform to tell the stories of a united church, uh, using this website. That's awesome. That's great. Well, we look forward to seeing it and, uh, thanks again for talking to us today. Awesome. Thanks again. And welcome back. That was Dan's interview with Elias from the City Harmonic. Uh, I, I suspect that now you can see why that was something we wanted to share with you right away. It was a, it was a great conversation. It was one that once I started uh, editing, I just basically rolled right on through. Thanks to Dan for the interview. And uh, so I just want to say, you know, one of my takeaways is I love to hear that whole small world connection between individuals and um how that brings folks together. You know, even though Elias is in Nashville now, he's still, many of his roots are there in Toronto, Canada. And, and I really appreciate that. You know, my hometown here is Portland, Oregon. And even though I've been away from it, occasionally I'll go away for a couple of years and come back uh, throughout my life. But this is home. And uh, so I know how Elias feels and how his heart is there. It was also great just to hear about the new album and how that's come together. Of course, the new album is We Are, and that came out on uh, September 11th, so just a week ago. If you don't have it yet, uh, we encourage you, go and pick that up. You heard some of the snippets from the songs during the interview, so you get a sense of uh, what you're in for. And uh, these guys are just good. Their music is just good, and they're obviously their heart's in the right place. 
So as we're wrapping up, let's uh, let's talk about some things that are um, on the horizon for us. Uh, as we've been uh, mentioning, we have been conducting a lot of interviews lately, a slew of interviews. I know that Dan just this week talked to uh, Andrew Marcus, who is a Juno-nominated, uh, excuse me, a GMA-nominated uh, singer-songwriter, another Canadian. So that's that's awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. I can't believe I just said that. And I'm by myself in a room. Uh, and then uh, what else is there? Uh, we talk, obviously talked to Ross King, so that interview is coming up. But uh, I talked to Jason Roy, the front man from Building 429. That's probably coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. Um, Brothers McClurg, uh, that redo interview is on the horizon. And uh, this morning, uh, I'll be talking with Katie Gustason, and if her name's familiar, that's probably appropriate. She uh, was a singer-songwriter who was uh, signed to Integrity a few years ago. Um, but we're going to talk to her with a, a different hat on. She is actually a counselor who specializes uh, in working with uh, artists in Nashville. So we're going to talk to her because, you know, we are about artists here on Frequency and uh, get some perspective from her on what it's like to be an artist, but what it's like to to uh, serve artists uh, in her capacity and uh, why that might be a unique endeavor. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll be talking to her, gosh, in about three hours from now. Looking forward to that and looking forward to sharing that with you. So as we're tying things up, just uh, just a reminder to you guys out there that uh, we're out there on social media and we're looking forward to engaging with you. You can uh, find us on Twitter at uh, the handle Frequency FM. Search for Frequency FM on Facebook or just type in Facebook slash Frequency FM. You can also find uh, uh, us out there as a person on Facebook if you search for Brookhouse Thompson, which obviously is our last names. And uh, I'm out there and Dan's out there engaging as individuals on Facebook under that. Although Dan's out there as an individual by himself, but you, he'll also find uh, uh, both of us under Brookhouse Thompson. Uh, what else is got? Oh, other social media. Oh, yeah. Google Plus is still out there. We still post there, um, not monitoring as much because uh, we, we are aware that Google's facing that out. So if you're one of those stalwart Google Plus folks and you're really sad that we're not as active there, let us know and we'll engage more out there. And then finally, one of the, the best ways to make sure that the artists that we chat with, the artists that we love out there are, uh, are noticed and to build the platform that we want to, to share with them is for you to, to uh, leave reviews on iTunes. It's uh, something that's pretty easy to do. So if you haven't done so and you appreciate what we do, uh, maybe take five minutes and head over to iTunes and uh, just leave a comment and give us a rating. And that helps us show up on search engines. And so folks, uh, you know, whether the big artists or small artists, we really want to call to attention to that artist's journey and what they have to share and really be a platform for those folks. So, hey, do us a favor if you get a chance and do that. We'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, that's it for this episode. We're glad you joined us, and uh, we should be back next week with our conversation with Jason Roy from Building 429. Thanks, guys. Talk to you again soon. <laughs>